Um, Passion Week is this week that between this Sunday and the Sunday of Resurrection. Before we get into Luke 19, I want to start with a, just an encouraging word today. And, and again, they're all over. But the one that, that I want to bring to us today is out of Psalm 27, um, beginning in verse number 4. And it says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. Listen, for in the time of trouble... For in a time of trouble, not not when there's trouble or I mean, not if there's trouble or perhaps there might be trouble, but in the time of trouble, it's coming, it will be. But in the time of trouble, God says this in Psalm 27, verse five, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle, and I will sing, yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Listen, do you know what God puts with trials and tribulations every place you find it in the Bible? What does he couple together? What does he put together? You have the trials and the tribulations of life. It's always the same, joy. It's joy. He says that he will offer sacrifices of joy. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. And God says, in this time of trouble, our response as Christ followers is to offer sacrifices of joy. So I want to encourage you in your joy. Jesus was so concerned that you have inner joy. You know, if you, if you study the last, um, in Passion Week, in the last seven days of Jesus' life, especially through the Gospel of John, and Jesus is about to face the most brutal violent death that anybody in human history before or after will ever face. And in all of this, knowing what is coming, he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he prepares for the, the time on the cross and the separation from the Father and, the, and the, the beating that he's about to take, the Bible says that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. That God sent angels to um, minister to Jesus in the garden. That God saw Jesus in the garden and he said, go to my son and help him. And, and he sent angels to minister to Jesus. In this time of Jesus' life, in these last week of Jesus' life recorded in John's gospel, five times he, he was concerned with your joy and my joy. You think he'd be kind of have every right to focus on himself them last couple of days. But Jesus didn't do it. He was so concerned that you and I would experience joy in this life. He wants us to have joy. And there's nothing, no fear, no corona, no COVID. Did you guys see I saw this thing? There was twins born this week. And have anybody in a guess what the twins were named? Serious. Corona and COVID. Two boys. Corona and COVID. <laughs> I don't know which one I'd want to be. If you were the twins that were born and you grow up, would you rather be Corona? Because that's going to be you know, taking jokes about the beer or COVID. COVID, I don't know, that might kind of sound cool. I picked COVID over Corona, but yeah, COVID and Corona. But listen, God wants us to have joy. He really does. And, and again, Psalm 27 is your word of encouragement today. Uh, one more time, verse five. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in, the, in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set my rock high. He shall set me high upon a rock. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the standard for preparedness. I'm exactly the opposite. And 
Um, I like to think that I, I've put my faith in Jesus. Now, not to be foolish, right? We've talked about being foolish in that, that we don't do anything. There's, oh, I'm just trusting Jesus. That's not necessarily wisdom. But I, I haven't. You know, I, I had this, this, when this whole thing broke, I don't know, early in the month. And I was happened to be in the grocery store, and they were stocking this new stock of toilet paper that came in. I'm standing right there. And, and just, just for principle, I just said, I'm not going to buy one single extra package of toilet paper. I'm not doing it. And, um, you know, but I, I, I think that it is important that we trust God, that we trust the Lord to provide for us. And, and the promises of God's word are clear. All right, that's my word of encouragement I wanted to start with and encourage you with that today. We'll bring one of those each, each message. If you would, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 19. Pretty excited. You know, I've seen a lot of... Um, pastors teaching uh, Luke 19 today, which is kind of cool because this is Palm Sunday and Luke 19 is the recording in the Bible of Palm Sunday. I can remember a pastor who was um, had started his church and, and he came to Pastor Gerald, our senior pastor, and he went out and planted a church and he said, hey, um, Easter is coming and Palm Sunday and I don't know what to teach. I've, I've given them everything that there is. I've been through Luke 19 and these things and what do I do? And Pastor Gerald said, you teach Palm Sunday. You teach Luke 19. He said, yeah, I've already done that. He said, yeah, you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. I've been doing it for 30 years. You just keep teaching the passage. That's what we are. We're repeaters of, of, of what was happening. And we don't have to offer anything new or anything exciting or something different than what we did last year. We just have to give the truth. And the truth is in the word of God. Hey, Brian, I don't know if it looks better on the video, but it's a little dark up here. Um, thank you. All right, so thank you. So um, let's begin today. Um, let's just begin in verse 28. I'm going to try to finish uh, through 44 today. And I have my timer going, and so we're going to try to get you guys done on time. Hey, let me say this. There are so many good messages online right now. Last week, after Sunday, I went home, and I, I just, Sunday afternoon, I usually spend some time um, if I'm not napping or the baby's napping, I'll, 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 I'll catch sermons, my, my friends, my brother's sermon, my dad's sermon, um, people I follow. And I think it was seven. I watched seven sermons on Sunday and Monday of last week. And, you know, really, there is so much content online. There is so many good teachers and pastors. Um, love watching. I watch, check out Jack Hibbs every week, Greg Laurie, um, Pastor Gerald. Um, I've been watching J.D. Farag's updates on the um, um, prophecy updates and these things, but there is so much good content out there. So I encourage you guys, stay plugged in. It, it's all available for you. And then, um, so Luke chapter 19, verse 28, and when he had said this, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples. Now, Bethany in this area where he was might sound familiar because this is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. Jesus would have spent much time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, good friends of his, where, where Lazarus was raised from the grave. And as he approached Jerusalem for the last time, and, 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 and he would be there knowing that in a week he would die on a cross. This would be Sunday. Lots of um, events that took place during this last week of Jesus's life. Me personally, I three days and three nights, I don't know, simple math to me, I'm a simple guy, means Thursday, that he was crucified on a Thursday, he rose again on a Sunday morning, and so he has just these last four days, but so many events there that took place in 
Passion Week, this last um, four days, and then the cross leading up to the cross that Jesus is going to be there. Now, you remember like in Luke, in John's gospel, um, when Mary, his mom, came to him before his first miracle, and he said to her, my hour has not yet come. And my hour has not yet come was a phrase that Jesus often used. But now his hour had come. His whole life was this hour, was this event. Now, what's fascinating about the triumphal entry and what we're going to focus on today, pay attention, I want you to catch this, what we're going to focus on today in specifically with the triumphal entry is that this was an advent, this was an, uh, uh, an event that had been prophesied in multiple places. We're going to look at three different prophecies um, concerning this day that were thousands of years old. This is something that God had set up and prophesied about and said exactly how it was going to go down. There was absolutely no way that under any human control that this could have come to, to pass the way it did and lined up exactly as the prophets foretold thousands of years ago. The, the thing that separates the Bible from every other book and religion in the world is that the Bible tells the end from the beginning. Thousands of prophecies, not one failed prophecy in the Bible. And what's fascinating is that, that when they all add up and they come to pass exactly as they said, you know, even this, including this donkey that no one had ever sat on, that they go and they get and he lets Jesus ride on him and he doesn't buck him and he does exactly what Jesus wants him to do. You know, and none of these things men can set up. Now, what I want to do today is I want to draw a comparison. Check it out between the, the prophecies that were fulfilled on this day to the prophecies that we're looking at that are going to come and be fulfilled in Jesus' second return or in the rapture. Now, Jesus' second coming and the rapture are two separate events, technically. You know, sometimes we're referring to the rapture, we call it Jesus coming again or the second coming. But technically, Jesus doesn't come in the rapture. He meets us in the clouds. He doesn't really come until the end of Revelation at the Battle of Armageddon when he's riding um, Air Horse One on his way um, to the Battle of Armageddon, and we're looking at his back. So on that day, in the Battle of Armageddon, you want to be seeing Jesus' back. If you're looking at his face, you're in big trouble because we're behind him on horses returning. That's technically the second coming of Jesus, which is going to happen on the Feast of Trumpets during the Battle of Armageddon as prophesied in the Bible. And so, um, but his, his, the rapture of the church is the one we'll focus on um, today in the, in the prophecies as we look towards this. And then it says, he told the, the fellows, go into the village opposite you where, you, where you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Now, th this is going to be repeated, this term, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. One of the ways as you study your Bible, as you read your Bible at home, and hopefully many of you are now picking up your Bibles and reading them, um, you know, and, and one of the things in the New Testament, as you read through your New Testament, little things, when you see a phrase, when you see a word that's repeated multiple times in the same chapter, in the same area, it's there for a reason. It's there for emphasis. And so here it says multiple times, right here in a couple of verses, this phrase is repeated, the Lord has need of it. Now, what's fascinating about that is how could the God of creation have need of anything? You know, and it's by choice. It's by choice that God has chosen you and me to use us. And the Lord has chosen 
to let us fill a need that he has as we give to the church, as we give of our lives, as we provide the things that that we need to share the gospel around the world and, and to do ministry together, that the Lord has need of it. You know, the angels would do a much better job of sharing the gospel. But God is not. And there will come a time in the tribulation where he will use the angels. But he's chosen in this time to use you and I. For you and I to be the vessels to bring the gospel to the world. And it's our job to, to share our faith. And we encouraged you guys last week in that. No matter who you are, where you are, wherever you, you walk, if you can share your faith, you can encourage people. And so I love this. You know, you, they come to ask for this donkey and they say the Lord has need of it. I was going to try this afternoon um, to go to the Jeep dealer. And one of the new Jeep gladiators, I was going to go tell the salesman, hey, the Lord has need of it. Will you give it to me? You know, and maybe we'll, we'll get a new Jeep gladiator, but I don't know if it's going to work. So those who were sent, verse 32, went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to him, Hey, that's my donkey. Where are you going? Why are you loosing that colt? Hey, leave my stuff alone. And they said to him, The Lord has need of him. The second time repeated there. Again, so fascinating that the Lord has need. And so when they said the Lord has need of him, they, the guy gave him the donkey. And again, man can't produce this. People don't just walk up to your house or I don't just walk up to the Jeep dealer and tell the salesman the Lord has need unless, unless what? Unless God is working through the situation, unless God has already prepared the hearts of the givers. You know, I've heard these stories in, in ministry, especially like on the mission field. Oftentimes there was the, the love boat um, ministry that we were a part of out of out of Long Beach for a while. And some guy just had a crazy idea and he would he got an old boat and he would load it up with, you know, whatever he could load it up with and take it to third world countries and and, and give it away. He would get, you know, knock off Nikes that somebody was 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 counterfeiting and they had to confiscate them. They'd give them to him and let him take them to different things, food and all this stuff. And we would go down and help him go through the inventory and pack the boats. And, and his testimony was the same thing, that God told him about a specific boat. He walked up onto the boat, non-believer, and he told him, God has need of this boat. And the guy said, you're crazy. And eventually, God spoke to the man's heart, and he gave him that boat. And that was the exact boat we used to go down and work on um, that, that God used. And then it says in verse 35, And they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went... Many spread their clothes on the road. Now, it's kind of significant, you know. It wasn't like they just had a closet full of clothes like you and I do. They have one coat and they lay it on the floor and, and, and they let the donkey walk on it in the mud. And it's kind of an act of worship of giving what they had, the things that were, you know, not giving of their abundance, but giving of their necessity as a biblical principle of giving. And, and as, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and, and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, in Psalm 118, we get our first prophecy of, of this particular day. So in Psalm 118, in verse number 24... It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I've been, I've been repeating that verse. 
I guarantee you that, that those in my house have that verse memorized because every morning I need to wake the boys up or, you know, I run down in the room and I throw the lights on and I say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord. They've heard me say that so many times it's drilled into their minds and hearts. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's a direct prophecy of this particular day that would come. And then from Zechariah's gospel, more specifically in, in chapter 9, in verse number 9, the title is The Coming King. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So God prophesied through Zechariah that when Jesus came, when Messiah came, that he would come riding on a donkey. So this had to be prophesied. It had to be fulfilled according to the word of God um, for it to come true. And it came true exactly as it said. And so they begin to shout and they begin to sing the praises. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, back to Psalm 118, the rest of that verse, um, after 24, it says in in 25, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. And this is the psalm they're repeating. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and they said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why would they? Because they were praising him as God. They were praising him as Messiah. And Jesus would tell people for the last three years so many times, Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Keep it to yourself. Go and show the priest. And, um, and there came a point in Jesus' life where his hour had now come. And so it was the point to publicly proclaim that he is God, that he is Messiah. And, and, the, and the Pharisees understood that they were worshiping him. Now, angels are not deserving of worship. Whenever you see an angel appear in the Bible and men naturally begin to bow down, the angel will quickly say, get up, don't worship me. I'm an angel. Only God receives worship. And, and so as they, they were worshiping and Jesus was allowing that, the Pharisees understood that you only worship God. And that the fact that Jesus was letting them worship, the the Pharisees said, no, this is not right. And Jesus said, yes, it is right because I am God. I am Messiah. And then Jesus says one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Maybe it would have been kind of cool if they did keep silent. So we hear what the rocks would sound like. That'd be a real rock band as the rocks would have began to sing and cry out. You know, oftentimes I tease in church and I I read this verse and I tell folks, if you guys don't want to worship and sing from your hearts, I'm going to put some rocks up here on stage. And and, and if you don't sing out, then the rocks will cry out. But in order to fulfill prophecy, Jesus said, it's going to happen. I am the Messiah. I am God. These prophecies will be fulfilled and if, and if you, the people aren't singing out, and if I stop the people, the very rocks will begin to speak. You know, in the Bible we see, and Jesus happens to be riding on a donkey in this scene, right? And in the, in the Bible we see the donkeys talk, Balaam's donkey talked to him. Why are you hitting me? I'm trying to help you. 
You know, and then the funny thing is Balaam just starts talking back to the donkey. He doesn't think it's strange. You know, he's not shocked. He just starts arguing with the donkey. And Jesus said the rocks would cry out. And then it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from you. Hey, I want you to highlight verse 42. If you highlight, if you underline in your Bible, this is the crux of our study today, verse 42. We're going to look at what Jesus says here, and we're going to unpack that. And that, that's going to be the heart of what we're studying. If we don't get to the end of these verses, this is what I want to communicate today um, most clearly. And, and Lord, help me to do that. So, um, but listen, as Jesus weeps, you know what's a fascinating thing? You only get uh, two occasions in the Bible where Jesus weeps. He weeps when Lazarus died, and he wept over the death of his friend. And here he's weeping for the people because they missed the time of the visitation. You never see Jesus crying about himself. Oh, poor me, or this or that. Every time he weeps, it's for other people, and it's his concern, his care for other people, never about himself. And he's, he's looking over the city of Jerusalem, and he weeps. In the other gospel, he said, how much I would have wanted to gather you under my wing as a chick under my arm as a chicken gathers her her hands under her wing how much i wanted you to and he said you missed the day of especially in this your day now you have that verse highlighted and underlined now circle the word your your day the things that make for your peace now they missed it they missed the 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 coming of the messiah now he, he, he's chastising them because from the, the scriptures, they should have understood this day. God told them very clearly. We looked at Psalms 118, a prophecy of coming Messiah. We looked at Zechariah who said Messiah would come lowly and riding on a donkey. You know, they had it so much in their hearts. And, and even on this day of triumphal entry, they, they really began to believe and think on this particular day that Jesus was now going to overthrow the Roman government, set up his kingdom, rule and reign. The Jews are going to come to power again. And they just didn't understand that the one day he will come to rule and reign and that day coming very soon. But in this particular day, he was coming to die for the sins of the world. And the, and the Old Testament prophesies of both. The Messiah would come as a suffering servant, as a lamb that was slain, and that he would come as a king of kings and a lord of lords, that he would come and rule and reign. And that day is coming where Jesus is going to come and set things right. And we want you to be ready for that day. We want you to not miss it as they did here on this day. And Jesus is going to um, weep because they missed it. And, and he's going to, he expected that they would have caught it from the scriptures. You know, for the disciples, Jesus, at one point, they were missing the signs of the times. And, and I can remember reading this passage and thinking, you know, as Jesus is correcting the disciples and, and saying that he expected them to understand from the scriptures what was happening in the moment. And they missed it. And Jesus corrects them for it. That I don't want Jesus to have to correct us for the same thing that he's given us in the scriptures, the answers and has told us. He said, I tell you beforehand what I do so that you'll know. And I don't do anything that I don't tell you first. And it's full. We have it. And they had it. Let's look at it. I'll tell you specifically. In Daniel's, um, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, we, we have the prophecy that the Jews would have had, that Jesus would have expected them to understand. And in Daniel 9.25, he, 
He says, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. So from the time, what what was the sign? From the time of the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be sixty-two. There shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. How many of you guys are mathematicians out there? Seven weeks plus sixty-two weeks, sixty-nine weeks. Sixty-nine weeks in Daniel's seventy-week prophecy fulfilled. One week remaining. That is the seven-year tribulation period. And he says, after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself and for the people, the prince who is to come. So, so there was um, looking for this sign. What was the sign that Jesus said would mark? And then the 69 weeks until Messiah, it said that when the, when the command went forth to rebuild Jerusalem. Well, Artaxerxes um, gives the command March 14th, 445 B.C. So on 445, March 14th, 445 B.C., Artaxerxes Longimanus gives a command for them to go back and rebuild. So there was a guy in Scotland, he writes a book, fascinating book. And, and, and he uses this as a model and he uses the Babylonian calendar of 360 days, includes all of the leap years in there. And from his, his study, he says 490 years, 60 um, I'm sorry, 483 years, 69 weeks, 69 times 7 is 483, 483 years, 360 days a year, including leap years and skip years, is 173,880 days. If you go from March 14, 445 B.C., 173,880 days, it brings you to April 6, A.D. 32, the 10th of Nisan. Guess which day in history that is? Palm Sunday. It's the exact day that Daniel told us that Messiah would come. You know, it's fascinating that, you know, when Jesus was first coming, the Bible told those exactly. And then he didn't prophesy the birth. And I mean, he prophesied, but he didn't tell us the day of, of the baby being born in Bethlehem. There was clues, thousands of prophecies and um, hundreds of prophecies, let's say. Um, you know, it says that Messiah won't come or the scepter of Israel will not be cut off until Messiah comes. And, and when Jesus was a baby, the scepter in Israel was cut off. And the Roman um, legions and powers overtook Jerusalem's government and law, and they removed the um, right of, of capital punishment from, from, from Israel. And at that time, the Jews rent their clothes, and they understood that this prophecy in their mind had failed, that that they, the scepter would not depart from Israel until Messiah comes. What they didn't know is Messiah had come and the prophecy was fulfilled. He was born in a manger and he was a little baby boy who had already come. And so many prophecies and signs, but not exactly foretelling the day that he would be born or that he would start his ministry, but to the day that he would ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and, and they missed it. They missed the prophecy, and now we have Jesus. What's the scene here on Palm Sunday? Jesus is crying. He's weeping. And, and he's looking at the people, and he sees the destruction that's coming. What destruction is coming? Well, as you know, this is around the year, let's call it 32, 33. In, 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 in 40 years, 35 years, 
the, the temple will be destroyed. That, that the Roman legion, specifically the 10th legion, is going to march on Rome in 67 and they're going to surround the city and they're going to begin a siege. 1.2 million Jews are going to be killed in Jerusalem and in Israel in this siege. It's a three-year siege and it ends in A.D. 70. And in A.D. 70, under Titus Vespasian, the Roman ruler and commander of this, of this siege, the temple is destroyed. And he didn't want it to be destroyed. Titus gave a command it wouldn't be destroyed. But it was set on fire. And as the temple burned, the gold of the temple began to run through the cracks. And as Jesus prophesied, not one stone would be left upon another. They overturned every stone to get the gold and out of the cracks. And what, what, an, what a fascinating, amazing prophecy. And how do you fulfill that? Tons, three tons, five, ten tons stones that the temple is built with. And Jesus said to the, to the Jews of his day, not one stone would be left upon another. And they assumed immediately that had to be the end of the world for the temple to be destroyed in that fashion. And yet fulfilled exactly as Jesus prophesied. When we go to Israel, one of the, the later discoveries, I remember being in Israel in 98 and, and not being able to see this wasn't um, excavated yet. But now when you go, the exact stones that, were, that the Romans threw over the side of the wall are there. We can, we can, I have pictures of them. I stood on them. The very stones that were rolled over and the gold was, was dug out of the cracks of them. And so Jesus, in his mind, he can see this destruction that's coming. And, and, and if they received him and understood he was Messiah, it could have went very differently. You know, I often say about Israel, and we go to Israel all the time, and there's such an, such an eclectic gathering of religions of the world, and especially in Jerusalem. I mean, everything you can imagine is there. Even in the old city, it's broken up into quarters and sections, the Muslim quarter and the Armenian quarter and the Christian quarter and, 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 and all these different factions and religions and all kinds of different churches of all kinds of different denominations and beliefs and stuff going on there. If that place was a center of Jesus as the Messiah and has been, I'd tell you the world would be a completely different place. Had they, had they received Jesus as their Messiah and what God's intention was fulfilled, that that was just a lighthouse to the world for the last 2,000 years of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would be a power and a glory. But he, they missed it, and Jesus is weeping. Now, I want to tell you that, that I want to take this story of Palm Sunday and Jesus weeping because he's seeing that they missed this prophecy that was coming, and I want to apply it to our day. Listen, I don't want us to miss what is coming. I'm not predicting or prophesying of, of anything other than exactly what the Bible says. And here's one thing I can be 100% clear on. Jesus is going to return. That, just read, can you read? If you can read, and you can just read your Bible, we don't have to argue about that. The Bible is clear. Jesus is coming. Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. As clear as day. The, the, the disciples are there. Jesus appears to them. And then they see him ascend into heaven. And as they're watching Jesus go up into heaven, what do the angels say to, to the apostles, Peter and the boys? The angels say, this same Jesus who you see going up will come again. Now, when will he come? When will be the return of his come? Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but my father alone. So we don't know. You know, like Daniel gave us the exact day that the, the, the triumphal entry would happen. The Bible told them. We don't have the specific things, 
But Paul said to the Thessalonians, there's no need that I write to you concerning the time. You already know. You can discern the times. The disciples asked Jesus, when will, you, will these things be? And when will you come back? And when will be the end of the age? And Jesus gives them in Matthew 24, the answers. And recorded also in Luke's gospel in chapter 21. Let's take a quick look at it. Um, just one page over in Luke 21. Look at verse number 25 of Luke 21. If you turn the page one, it says, And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. God really likes great glory. Because he's, no, I'm just kidding. It says great glory. This sounds like great glory to me. Coming with great glory, or I mean great glory. And now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. Look up, draw, your redemption draws nigh. When you see these things begin to happen. Now I've preached this message so many times, I'm not going to preach it today. It's Palm Sunday. Let's focus on, on the triumphal entry, but... You know, I always point out in this verse um, 28 that Jesus didn't say when you see these things begin to happen, buy toilet paper, stock up things, do this, do that. And again, I'm not talking about your preparedness. Prepare how you like. But I will say this. There's a, there is a difference. There is fear buying. And that's not of God. And that's not for us as Christians. That we are to trust the Lord. Be prepared. Be prepared as, as, as makes you comfortable as you want to be. But trust God. Jesus didn't leave you hanging here. I promise he's going to take care of you. He said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. What does what he couple with troubles and tribulations and trials through the whole Bible? We already said, joy, 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 joy. Every time he talks about these ominous things, listen, this is a little ominous, right? There will be signs in the sun and the moon, men's hearts failing them for fear, Distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Like this is not like, oh, we're going to go to Disneyland. Lift your eyes, your redemption drops. This is like, oh, terrible, 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 scary, scary, scary. But not. Lift your eyes, your redemption draws now. I'm coming. I'm going to take care of you. Now, look at verse 34 of Luke chapter 21. It says, but take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. You know, I personally, and I just happen to be in a different position, but I think it's pretty difficult right now for that day to come on you folks unexpectedly. There are so many signs. There are so much signs of the times that, that we're living in a day that, at the very least, could the Lord tarry? Could this whole thing blow over and everything go back to normal? Absolutely. That's our prayer. It's our prayer that our churches are going to be full again very soon. And life's going to go back to normal. Could he come back in the chaos of all this? He could. Absolutely. We got to be ready. Could he tarry another five years, 10 years, 50 years? He could very well. God has a plan and he wants to save souls. Listen, the Bible says what God says. God says that it's not my desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance in Jesus Christ, that all should come to faith in, in Jesus Christ. It's God's desire to see people get saved. That's God's heart. He wants to give people opportunity. So maybe in his grace, by, by extending it out, he can save more folks, and he's going to do that. Amen. 
And what are we going to do as a church, as a people, as Christ followers? We're going to continue to trust God. We're going to continue to serve the Lord. We're going to continue to share the gospel. We're going to continue to be a light in a dark world. And, and, and in all the process, we're going to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Whether it's today or tomorrow or a week or a month or 10 months or 10 years, we're going to be ready. And what if it's in 10 years? What if you lived every day ready and it didn't happen for 10 years? Let me tell you something. That's good living. That is good living. Your, your joy is full. Your life is full. The things of, of serving God and loving God and doing what God wants you to do is only going to be for your happiness, only going to be for your joy. You know, a peace that surpasses understanding, a, a victory over anxiety and depression, a love of God, a, a being used, a reward when you get to heaven. That's only good living, so you can't, you can't lose. But I do want you to be ready. And I do want you to not doubt. I don't want you to doubt. I don't want to ask anybody, or if I say to you, if Jesus came back today, would you go up in the rapture? If you can't confidently know that you would go up, then, then that's, that, that's, that's something you've got to deal with. Get it right. Confess your sins. Listen, I'm going to tell you this, encourage you with this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't need to be afraid. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not about being perfect. You don't have to be perfect. God doesn't expect perfection in anybody. Because God doesn't base it on your works or your, your perfection. He bases it on his son. And so as long as Jesus is in your heart and in your life, if God's going God's to see Jesus, he's not going to see your sin. So make sure Jesus is in your life. Make sure you've made your peace with God. All right, let's get back to um, Luke 19. How much time do we have left? Um, okay, just a few more minutes. I need to close up. Um, but in Luke 19, as we wrap this up, let's look at verse 43. For days will come upon you when the enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. Now, verse 43, let me tell you, had a specific fulfillment in AD 70. That's exactly what the, the Roman army did. It's exactly what the 10th Legion did. They surrounded the city. They enclosed them on every side. They kept them in. The siege took three years. It started in 67 and ended in 70 when the temple was destroyed and finally Jerusalem was sacked. Verse 44, and level you and your children with you to the ground and they will leave in you one stone upon another. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. How are they supposed to know the time of their visitation? Because God told them in the Bible. How are you supposed to know the time of the Lord's return? Because God tells you in the Bible. Maybe you don't believe me when I say Jesus is coming. Maybe you think I'm a, I'm a Bible thumper, I'm a Jesus freak, I'm a weirdo because I believe that Jesus could come back today. But listen, it, it comes through the studying of the Word of God. Listen, make your own opinion. But make sure your opinion is from you studying and reading and knowing the Word of God for yourself. Be in the Word of God. Look through these, these passages that we've highlighted. If you need them, um, again, very simply, Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians, anywhere in Revelation. Revelation 4 is the rapture. 6 through 19 is the seven-year tribulation period. Um, you could go back to Noah. Let's talk about Noah for a minute. We'll end with that. Noah is known as a preacher of righteousness. Now, let, you guys remember the story of Noah? Noah, God showed up in Genesis chapter um, 6 
And it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. He was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was so corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, and all the flesh of the corrupt. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with, my, with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher and make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And he goes on to tell Noah the instructions for the ark. It was 120 years later that the flood came. And for the 120 years, you had this crazy Noah telling everybody there's going to come a flood. God is going to judge the earth and you can get on the boat. You can get right. I remember seeing that movie, I think it was Russell Crowe, the Hollywood movie of Noah's Ark. Such blasphemy, so terrible. The worst Bible movie I think I've ever seen. The whole premise was Noah was this crazy guy trying to kill people and keep them off the boat when the real story is that Noah spent 120 years trying to get people to join him on the boat and not one person in 120 years joined him. They mocked him. It says that he was a preacher of righteousness. I'll tell you what, if I planted a church and I preached for 120 years and not one person converted or came, I'd be pretty discouraged. You know, obviously, I wouldn't make it 120 years. I'd make it 120 days before I folded up and went and got a real job. But 120 years of faithful preaching, of being mocked. But one day, you know, in the year 118, Noah's continuing to preach his message that God is coming. God is going to judge. A flood is coming. And men continued to, to mock. But I'll tell you what, in the year 120, there came a day when God closed the door of the ark with his own hand. And only Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people, were on the boat with the animals. And it sat there for seven days. And I bet people began to approach the ark. And on the seventh day, it began to rain for the first time on planet earth. And no doubt people ran to the ark. Because they knew now that Noah was telling the truth. They knew now that, that this 120-year this prophecy had finally come true. And who was crazy now? Let me ask you a question. Who do you want to be in the story? Do you want to be Noah? The kind of guy that seems crazy because he believed that there was going to be a flood and that God told him these things were coming and he was preaching even though nobody was listening? Or do you want to be the guys on the outside that didn't listen and didn't take him seriously until it was too late? Can you imagine the carnage around the boat when the waters began to rise and the from the, from the deep and flood and the came down and the amount of people that would have, would have ran to the boat to try to get saved at that time when it was too late because God had closed the door. And so be ready. Be ready. It's something that we should never, never be afraid of. Just be ready and find joy. And so who do you want to be? Do you want to be Noah, a preacher of righteousness? Or do you want to be the people of his day? And here, look at verse, the bottom of verse 44 again. And we're going to close with this because I'm out of time. I could keep preaching, folks, but I'm out of time. So listen, and the, the bottom of verse 44, because you did not know the time of your visitation. We don't want to make that mistake, right? Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the day we celebrate today. And they worship him. Hosanna in the highest. Glory to God. And they wave the palm branches and they lay their coats on the, at at the donkey's feet and on the ground in this great circumstance. And as Jesus arrives and begins to cry because they missed 
the day of their visitation and how differently it could have gone for them. And I don't want Jesus to weep for any of us. I want us to be ready. So as we close, as we always do, we want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you an opportunity to know that you know that you know that you're born again. I'm pretty simple when it comes to the rapture, and I don't know who's, who's right and wrong. I just know I want to be ready. I know I do have to wrestle with a verse in, in Luke's gospel that says that you need to pray that you would be found worthy to escape these things that are coming. But, you know, in the, in the Corinthian church, when Paul's talking about the rapture to the Corinthians, and that was a very carnal church. Paul said as much about the Corinthians, that they were very carnal. But he said that they were all going to go in the rapture. And me personally, I, I think the issue is born again. And if you're born again, you're going in the rapture. I think it's that simple. It's not a matter of perfection. It's a matter of having your, your life and your heart right with Jesus Christ and pointed in the right direction. So I want to lead you in a simple prayer to ask Jesus to give your life to God. This is a full surrender of your heart and life to God. You know, when I was a young, young, young man, brand new believer in Jesus Christ, I went to San Diego to a crusade. It was actually Miles McPherson who was preaching, and he used to play for the San Diego Chargers. And he, he gave a message of salvation that has stuck with me my whole life. And, and he just was almost angry and kind of like he was telling people to receive Jesus. And at the same time, he was trying to talk them out of it. He was like, you know, this is real. And if it's not a real surrender, don't come. This ain't fake. You got to you got to be ready to surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ and give him your full life. He doesn't want 80 percent or 90 percent. Only if you want to come and give everything and, and, and believe in Jesus. And no matter who you are, where you are, come as you are. He receives everybody. Jesus spent time with the prostitutes and the, and, and the drunkards and the gluttons and the wine-bibbers. That's the drunkards, wine-bibbers, you know what I mean, right? And there was nobody that was unworthy to come to Jesus that he didn't like to be around and he changed their lives. So no matter how or where or who you are, there's an invitation because Jesus is for all people. Jesus is for all people. So come. Come now. Say this prayer with me. Get your heart and your life right with Jesus. Simple prayer, but it happens in the heart. You can't fake it. God knows. But if you mean this in your heart, listen, we can mess the words all up, say them wrong. And if your heart's like, yes, Jesus, it doesn't matter because God's here in your heart. So just in your heart, say, yes, Jesus. Sometimes when I give a sinner's prayer, I just have people say, yes, Jesus. And that's it because that's all it takes. It's in the heart. But let's pray. Pray with me if you want to receive Jesus in your life. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. You've bought me with the blood of Jesus. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you, I invite you to come into my life, to take over my life. I give you all of me. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again the third day. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be ready for whatever's going to come. I want to experience a peace that surpasses understanding. I want to have joy in Jesus regardless of my circumstance. And you offer all of that. I come to you in this time to be right, to be ready. And Jesus, help me to fall in love with you. Help me to know you more every day. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We will see you real soon.